Facing sinking poll numbers, Biden gave a speech this week slamming corporate price gouging and attempting to posture as the defender of the quote-unquote American consumer. We'll take a look at the amazing hypocrisy in his comments. We need a new system. We need a new society. We need to demand that which may have sounded impossible even a few weeks ago, but is not only realizable, but an imperative necessity. We are very excited to have Professor Richard Wolf join us for a regular weekly segment where we discuss the biggest stories relating to the economy, the state of the working class, and the crimes of big business. I'm Walter Smolarik, filling in for Brian Becker. The Socialist Program brings you content several days a week thanks to the support of our patrons at patreon.com slash the socialist program. We appreciate all of your support and encourage you to become a patron today if you enjoy listening to the show. Richard Wolf is the co-founder of the organization Democracy at Work and the author of many books, the latest being The Sickness is the System When Capitalism Fails to Save Us from Pandemics or Itself. You can check out all of his work at rdwolf.com. Professor Wolf, I, I want to just read to you a couple quotes from a speech Biden gave on Monday. President Biden said that this is an event about supply chains. This is part of the White House Supply Chain Initiative. So he said, any corporation that has not brought their prices back down, even as inflation has come down, even as the supply chains have been rebuilt, it's time to stop the price gouging. Give the American consumer a break. Well, Professor Wolf, I mean, obviously Joe Biden is concerned about his reelection prospects, his sinking poll numbers, doing something to, you know, boost his popularity posture as this defender of the common man. But this is, it's really outrageous that he would posture this way, considering his actual record. I mean, what is his actual record when it comes to the inflation crisis? Well, I mean, there are a number of things to say about this. First of all, when you have an inflation, and maybe he never learned this and never needed to, and maybe his advisors don't need to advise him, but an inflation bakes in higher prices. In other words, having gone through an inflation of 10 to 20 percent over the last few years, if you add it all up, we now have higher prices. And no company is going to lower its prices in that situation, or very few of them are, because all of the higher prices are baked in, as we say, to the costs they face for all their inputs or whatever they buy to produce whatever they have as an output. And since those prices haven't come down, they've just slowed their rate of increase. There have been no cutbacks in prices. If we had had a reduction in prices, there would have been in the announcement of what that is. And the word in economics for that is called deflation, the opposite of inflation. We haven't had any deflation. So Mr. Biden's calling on companies to lower prices, to deflate their prices, will fall on totally deaf ears. It would make no sense. It would 
mean he's asking corporations to simply give themselves losses in the market because the prices of their inputs have gone up and they're not going to be able to respond by cutting the prices of what they sell. So this is empty. And any worker who listens or pays attention will not dwell on what this president says, but rather be amazed that the president thinks people are so backward and so stupid that they won't understand the empty absurdity of what the man is saying. Frankly, as an economist, it's more embarrassing than anything else to have the president say that. Even worse are what a number of his associates, Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, and many others are saying, which goes like this. The economic numbers are great. The economy is booming, blah, blah, blah. And the problem is the working class in America doesn't understand it. You see, the working class doesn't see what's going on. It is lost in a bad mood that we have to shake them out of. The insult to the intelligence of the working class that is perpetrated by this kind of talk is really, again, stunning. Let me remind the president and his silly advisors what we have. We have an economy here in the United States that over the last 30 years has witnessed one of the greatest redistributions of wealth in the history of any capitalist country. I mean, we have moved wealth from the poor and from the middle to the top. That's why we celebrate the Jeffrey Bezoses and the Elon Musks, people who have accumulated absurd amounts of wealth, while the mass of people have been deprived of that kind of wealth that they once enjoyed. That's why we talk about the disappearance of the middle class. That's why we face statistics on inequality, the likes of which we have not seen for half a century. That's the reality. And as if that weren't enough, we have had in this new century, the 21st century, three crashes of our capitalist system. The dot-com crash in the spring of 2000, the so-called subprime mortgage crash of 2008 and 9, and now the COVID-19 pandemic crash of 2020 and 2021. Those were periods of time in which, get ready now, tens of millions of Americans lost their jobs, some for a few weeks, some for many months. This is an extreme problem. And as if that weren't enough, we then had the worst public health pandemic in a century, which killed over a million American citizens. And as if that weren't enough, we then had a terrible inflation. And as if that weren't enough, followed by rising interest rates that rose faster and further than we've ever seen that done before. This is a working class that has taken one economic whack after another. And of course, they're upset with every legitimate right to have been made upset. 
And they don't need a president who tells them they aren't seeing things quite correctly, whereas he, you see, sees them correctly. I mean, the, the outrage, or as you put it, the, the insult contained here and the deafness and blindness of these leaders, so-called, that's what's really stunning in this moment. You know, Professor Wolf, another thing that's interesting you could say about Biden's comments, you know, where he's posturing as, you know, the defender of the American consumer, is that this is actually a point that's controversial among economists or among establishment pro-capitalism economists. The idea that corporate profit-taking is even contributing to inflation in the first place because there's this big push to convince everyone that they're really the reason why prices are going up. It's all because wages are increasing. And essentially, it's workers' own fault for spending too much or having too high wages. And there is really this big movement, is this big sort of, you know, position among mainstream establishment economists to say that, well, corporate profits doesn't even have anything to do with it. Yeah, although I think the overwhelming flood of information that deluges the American people will drown out the occasional remarks like Mr. Biden's. He's hoping for, you know, a boost in the polls, but it does really look with him as though it is too little and too late. I think you're right, though, that there is plenty of evidence, and there always has been, that when prices go up, corporations are making money by doing that. I mean, people should remember, who is it that raises prices? It's not the government. And it's not the wages that make prices go up. Workers do not set prices of the goods and services they produce. That is a privilege restricted to the employers. They're the ones. Those of you listening to me as I speak, you know that you have never been called into an office wherever it is you work, to participate in setting the prices of whatever it is your labor helps to produce. That is a privilege of the employer. According to the U.S. Census, 3% of the American people are employers. 97%, the rest of us, are not employers, and therefore we are not in the position of setting a price. Remember, please, with me, that when you buy a box of cereal or a roll of toilet paper or a bar of soap or a hamburger, the price you pay for any of those and all of those items is set by the employer who presides over the enterprise that produces and sells what you buy. They decide whether and when to raise the price, to lower the price, or to leave the price the same. And so if there's an inflation, the first thing everyone has to know and admit, unless they're dishonest, is that the inflation is caused by the class of employers, because no one else is in a position to do it. So then the only question becomes, why are the employers raising prices if we have an inflation? Now, the employers tell us it's not because I want to make more profits. And you all know why they tell you that, because it would make us as consumers angry. So they come up with other 
stories, and I use that word advisedly. They will tell us there are supply chain disruptions, as if that means something. There are, the government is somehow pumping too much money into the economy. The government can pump money into the economy from here till tomorrow. You, Mr. Employer, made the decision whether or not to raise your prices, whatever happens in the larger economy. Don't deny your responsibility, which is all that they're ever doing. That's why they will tell you the workers raise their wages. First of all, that usually happens after an inflation gets underway, which is what happened over the last three years. And even if it does go up the wages, that still leaves the employer with the decision how to handle a situation. There are plenty of examples in history where wages go up and prices did not. There's no necessity for the one to follow the other. Saying otherwise doesn't make it true. Mr. Biden is sitting on an economy that has made tons of profits, made the rich richer than they ever dreamed. And let me just read to you from a, a press release put out by a very interesting group called Produce Blue Book. They're the people who measure inflation. Here are the statistics just to give you an idea of who's got their finger on reality and who doesn't. According to this, U.S. families reported food insecurity. 13.5% reported it in 2020, 13.8%, in other words, more in 2021, and in 2022, the last full year behind us, 17%. More than one in six families in the United States is hungry, because that's what food security is a polite term to hide. And here's some more of these numbers just to drive it home. 76% of households in the United States, that's more than three quarters, are shopping more for discounted food than they did in the past. 58%, a clear majority of American households, are shopping at less expensive food retailers. They're not going to the small store. They're not even going to the convenience store. They're looking for the big discounter where they can get cheap food. And here's one I really liked. 17%, again, one in six households are eating more food that is past its prime date, you know, eat by such and such a date. That is, they're turning to food that is less certain to be decent for your health. I mean, we are driving the mass of people to a lower and lower standard of living. And since we buy our groceries all the time, because we have to eat all the time, we are constantly reminded of what Mr. Biden and Mr. Trump never seem to understand, namely that the reality is of a pinched working class coming off 30 or 40 years of successive wax to their standard of living, to the quality of their jobs, to the benefits that go with them, and all the rest of it while corporations profit. It is a gross 
in kind of terrible situation. And the Democrats, who like to pretend that they are the class of working people, are going to take it on the chin, because where else should working people express their displeasure with what is being done to them? And the president, and let's remember, comes from the state of Delaware, which is where most American corporations incorporate legally as a corporation because it's the most corporate-friendly state out of 50. And Mr. Biden is the senator of many years from that state. So that's an important fact to remember. You know, when Biden spoke, of course, it was all rhetoric when he gave that speech on Monday that we started out with. Because, you know, we know who he truly is, as you pointed out. He's the longtime senator from Delaware. I mean, he was somebody who co-wrote the 2005 bankruptcy law, which was a totally pro-corporate bill. That's why, for instance, you can't default on your student loans. Thank Joe Biden for that. So this is just rhetoric, right, that he's sort of trotting out for campaign season. But there are concrete things that a government can do and could have done when the inflation crisis was at its peak. And, of course, it's not over when it was at its peak. One could have been achieved under the current system. Another one that I want to ask you about would require a new system. But let's let's start with the one that's more immediately achievable. I mean, why wasn't there a price freeze? That's a policy tool that's actually available to this government. Shouldn't there have been a price freeze? Absolutely. And it shows you how far to the right our government has become led, of course, by the Republicans who started out on the right and simply went further, as Mr. Trump now wants to go further still. But the Democrats, to their everlasting disgrace, have moved over so that, yeah, they didn't have a wage price freeze. And let me remind everyone, it was a Republican who did that the last time. August 15th, 1971, the then sitting president Republican Richard M. Nixon gets on radio and television and tells the American people, we have a bad inflation, it's got to stop, it's really hurting everybody who buys anything at the store. And he got up and he said, as of tomorrow morning, there's a wage price freeze. If you're a company and you raise the price of anything you sell, we will come and arrest you. That's it, Jack. And if you're a union and you raise wages or demand higher wages, we'll do the same. And so we, the government, are stepping in to freeze prices and freeze wages. So yet, not only could it have been done, it has been done. It's been done by a Republican. And here is a Democrat, Biden, who can't even discuss with the American people. Did Mr. Biden at any time over the last two years of inflation, make a speech saying, look, I could do a wage price freeze just like my predecessor, Mr. Nixon did. Let me hear from you, the American people. Would you rather I do a wage price freeze or would you rather I work with the Federal Reserve to jack up interest rates further and farther than you've seen? increasing your credit card bill every month, making it more expensive to buy a car or a home because of the mortgage and car loans that are involved that will cost more if interest rates go up, etc. No, 
Not a word from President Biden on that subject. And by the way, not a word from Mr. Trump. In fact, not a word from any of the so-called leading contenders in either party. You get a little bit from Marianne Williamson, and you get a little bit from the independent candidacy of Cornell West. Those are the people who would bring those ideas up. But the leaders of our country, they're all either suffering amnesia that they forgot about President Nixon and what he did, and you know what the chances of that are, except perhaps with Mr. Biden and Trump, given their age. But it isn't really amnesia. You know that. It's a desire to keep the very idea out of the range of people's feelings. But you're quite right, Walter. It was an option. It's an option today. It would stop inflation on a dime. And in case you're wondering, are there problems with a wage price freeze? The answer is, of course there are. There are problems with any inflationary policy. That's why the Federal Reserve is charged with maintaining stable prices, because we don't want inflations. Our Federal Reserve failed when we had one. But the idea that we are bound by raising interest rates as if there were nothing else that's a lie. It's a lie perpetrated by the people who run this system only to keep us away from debating the alternatives. And of course, as we all know, rationing, that is distributing goods and services based on people's needs rather than on how much money they have, is another alternative, not wage price freeze this time, but a rationing system, which we've also used in the United States in our history, and that is equally kept out of the conversation, even though it's obviously what we ought to be discussing. Right, and that's actually where I wanted to take this next, because the the more fundamental solution to me, I think to you, to socialists, is to end the dictatorship that corporate executives have over what things cost. I mean, like the United States is supposed to be a democracy, right? And there are all of these big social decisions that we're told from a very young age should be determined collectively by the people who live here in a democratic fashion, like who the president is, who your senator is, who the mayor of the town that you live in is. Why isn't something as important as how much an essential good or service costs also subject to that same democratic control? Can't we democratically come up with a plan for how much gets produced and how much that costs and who gets it? Absolutely. We could. Human beings have. We've done that in American history, as I'll explain in a moment. Well, let me go back in history a little further. People may be surprised. I am not, personally, just for transparency, I am not a Roman Catholic. But the Roman Catholic Church, back in the medieval time, didn't believe it was appropriate for prices to be set by the tiny minority of people in a position to set prices. That is, the feudal lords at that time, the capitalists developing at that time. So the Catholic Church developed the doctrine of the so-called just price, the price 
that would be an expression of what is justice in a society. And so they made a ruling that the church would have the final say on what prices were, so that prices would be just, or to use another word for the same thing, prices would be fair. That was the decision of the church. That was the interpretation by the Roman Catholic Church of God's will. So there's a society, and this existed in for centuries in various parts of Europe, for sure, that the church had the final say so that prices were fair. Now fast forward. World War II. The United States is going to war against Germany and Italy and Japan. And the advisors to the president, Roosevelt at the time, tell him, look, President Roosevelt, we are about to shift resources from a peacetime economy to a wartime economy. All of our guns and ships and planes and bombs are going to take a lot of resources away from producing and distributing consumer goods, meaning there'll be many fewer of those consumer goods left. If we don't do something, those rare consumer goods will see their prices bid up by rich people who have the money to offer more and more for these goods, and middle-income and low-income people will not be able to afford them. There'll be, for example, a shortage of milk because we can't build plows. We can't build tractors because we're building tanks and missiles. And we have to use our railway system to move soldiers and to move military equipment. We can't move what's necessary for our farmers. So there's going to be a shortage of milk. If we allow the market to work, Rich people wanting milk for their pet cats will offer more and more to get that rare quart of milk, whereas the middle and lower income people who need the milk for their children will be priced out of being able to afford it. And you know what that'll do, President Roosevelt? It'll create bitterness and division in our society. You know the way we see it in America today, bitterness and division between rich and poor because they are being abusively mistreated, the middle and the poor. And you know what Re Roosevelt did? He understood the argument. He saw the wisdom in it. And they created what was called a rationing system. The government printed books, ration books, they were called. And you could tear out a little ration stamp from inside the ration book. And when you went to the store to buy a quart of milk, a pound of coffee, a half a pound of meat, a gallon of gas for your vehicle, and so on, you didn't use money. Money didn't matter. Prices didn't matter. You either had one of those little coupons that you tore out of the ration book, or you didn't. If you had one, you could get the item. If you didn't have one, you couldn't, no matter how much money you offered. Wow. And how did the government distribute the ration books? According to people's needs. If you had children in your family, you got books with a lot of coupons for milk. But if you were an elderly couple, you would get many fewer coupons 
because it was understood you didn't need the milk as much as the families with the children. Perfectly rational, understandable by almost everybody. It was a way of distributing goods and services based more on people's needs than what they were able to afford. And it meant that we weren't subject to an inflation the way Mr. Biden and Mr. Trump are busily imposing on the American people today. So don't let anyone tell you it has to be this way. It never had to be. It doesn't have to be now. And don't be fooled. We're going to have to leave it right there. We were joined by Professor Richard Wolf. He is the co-founder of the organization Democracy at Work and the author of many books. The latest is The Sickness is the System When Capitalism Fails to Save Us from Pandemics or Itself. Check out all of his work at rdwolf.com. You've been listening to The Socialist Program with Brian Becker, where we bring you news and views about the world for those who want to change it. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And watch video episodes of our in-depth show, The Real Story, every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on YouTube with our partner, Breakthrough News. We can only continue our work bringing you high-quality news, analysis, and history with the support of our listeners. Connect with us and become a patron at patreon.com slash the socialist program and receive an invitation to participate in an exclusive monthly seminar with Brian Becker. Thank you.